0: Right, all right. Hey, you guys. Ah, we are starting a new series today, and honestly, I could not be uh, more excited about it than I am for a couple of reasons. Number one, like uh, th- this series is really core to who we are as a church. Like th- these are the kind of things. Like this is why we're here. This is why we exist. And number two, um, we're kicking off this series, and we get to celebrate it in a very tangible way at the end of service today, um, as we celebrate new life in Christ through baptism. And so we're going to go nuts. We're going to go crazy. We're going to cheer. Um, and it's a great way to start the series. And so here's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about something that really, um, it revolves around something that Jesus has instructed us to do or commanded us to do. For those of us that are his followers, call ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. This is for us, and so let me just make a little a little side note and say, if you're joining us today, whether in the room or online, and you're like, I'm not, I'm not committed to Jesus, I'm not sure where I land on the whole faith thing, I'm still trying to figure things out. Uh, we're really glad you're here, and you are always welcome to join us for our gatherings. Uh, but here's here's what I want you to know: you're off the hook for what I'm about to say, right? Like you can just sit here and think that doesn't apply to me, and those Christians, they're crazy. That is like that is your prerogative. You can do that, and you are welcome to do that. But for the rest of us, for most of us who are here and watching, who would say. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. This is something is like, he tells us to do this, right? Like this is like, okay, here it is, here it is. Because there's this thing where the Christian faith is not just something that we're on the receiving end of, where, where God's love and his grace and his good news, it's not just something that, we, that we, uh, we get to experience that and we get to take that in, but there's also like a flowing out from us that happens as well. Like that Jesus actually, and this is where we're going in this series, Jesus sends us on a mission, and that mission, quite simply, to put into just a couple of words, three words, is go make disciples. He tells his followers, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, like if you're, you are a disciple of Jesus, that's just someone who is like an apprentice under the master, who's a learner under the teacher, someone who said, Jesus is my king and I'm following him. He's like, that's you. I want you to go replicate yourselves. I want you to go make more followers. I want you to tell more people about me. It's this idea, um, there's a word for it. And the word is evangelism. Um, and sometimes that word evangelism gets tossed around like within church or Christian circles or even in culture in general. Uh, and it's kind of got this bad connotation. Like for some of you, as soon as I said evangelism, you're like, it's cringy, it's cringy, okay? Like I just, because like, honestly, the church has done some weird things, some hurtful things in the name of evangelism for you know, the last several decades, generations, whatever that looks like. Right, like, it? come on, let's just be honest, like, gospel tracks are weird, okay? Like, here's a book, you should read this, Jesus Loves You, bye! Like, what, what is up with that? Like, it's a, little, it's a little strange, or like, just knocking on a stranger's door, but like, if you were to die tonight, that's not a good way to start a conversation with anyone, by the way. Where would you go, right? You're like, ah, I don't know, like, yelling at people on street corners, evangelism gets a bad rap. Uh, it, it can come off as though we see people as just projects, I just got to meet my quota. I just got to tell enough people about Jesus. You're my little pet project. And that's a shame that evangelism gets that rap because it is a great thing. It is a beautiful thing that it actually comes from. We're going to have a little Greek lesson this morning. Uh, This Greek word in the New Testament, euangelion. That's where we get the word evangelism. And it's a compound word. Uh, The first part, eu, simply means good. And "angelion." Means announce, oops, announcement. I can spell, okay? It's probably still wrong. Good thing my handwriting is bad enough, and you can't tell. <laughs> it's a good announcement. This wasn't just a, a particularly religious word in the first century. This was a word like in culture, uh, like in, in kind of like a, a civic sense, like uh, there'd be the, a good announcement made whenever like the, the emperor of Rome was coming. They'd go out declaring euangelion, good announcement, Caesar has come. It's this idea that someone is showing up with good news or a good announcement. And so we've kind of truncated it then. We've taken good announcement and we said, okay, let's just make that shorter and simpler. And we call it the good news. And through the, the centuries and different language changes, this is actually where the word gospel comes from. It's the gospel. It's good news. It's a declaration that something really, really good has happened. They're like They're The best thing has happened, and I've experienced this incredible thing, and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and it's changed my life, and I want everybody to know about it. It's good news, and, and evangelism is just saying, I want to tell you about it, because there's, the best thing ever has happened to me, and I care about you, so why would I not want you to experience this incredible thing? It's the gospel. The gospel, and, and simply the, the gospel is this. The gospel is, is the good news that King Jesus has come. King Jesus has come. Like, like, as people, we don't like to always admit this, but we actually need, like, a king. And we're like, we're Americans, we do not. We got rid of our king however many hundred years ago. No, but no, we do need, we need someone in authority over us. Because human history tells us that when I am the highest authority in my own life, my life gets messed up. And so does the lives of the people around me. Right, like, we have, we have a violent, bloody, destructive human history of saying, I'm in charge. We need someone who can be over us, who is a good king, a wise king, a loving king, a just king, and King Jesus has come. His kingdom, he's brought his kingdom here, this idea of his rule and his reign, and that everyone, me and you, and every person on the planet is invited in. And the thing that has made that possible is his life, death, and resurrection. That's the good news. King Jesus has come, his kingdom is here, you are invited all through his life, death, and resurrection. It's this beautiful invitation and I'm assuming, has everybody here ever been invited to something or invited someone to something? Those of you that aren't raising your hands are like, I'm not raising my hand for him. But it's true. Like, we've all, like, been invited to something or invited someone else. And invitation's kind of got two, two parts. An Invitation has to be extended, right? And it has to be received. It's got to be extended and it's got to be received. And so the, the, it's no different with this invitation, this good news of the gospel. But make no mistake about it, it is an invitation to good news. The gospel of Jesus addresses the deepest issues that we face as humans. Uh, The the things in our life, like the biggest questions that we have, the biggest concerns that we have, like those existential soul level, like what do I do with this? The gospel comes along and says, I have an answer for that. I have a solution for that. And not in an easy kind of churchy kind of way, because for those of us that maybe have been, the longer that we're in church, the the, the easier it is to almost make the gospel cliche. Like it's this magic wand that we just wave over our lives. It just follow Jesus and everything's wonderful. It's like, Have you experienced, like, life? It's not. It doesn't necessarily make everything better. It doesn't make life easy. It doesn't take away all the bad circumstances. But what the gospel does, it comes along and says, here is a foundation for your life, a bedrock that cannot be shaken. Here is, the the gospel says, I recognize your current reality, and sometimes current reality is awful, but there is an ultimate reality greater than that. there's a a reality that, that, that is actually beyond what you can see and experience and Jesus is inviting you into it. The gospel gives us things like identity, this thing that all of us are looking for. Who am I? Where's my worth? Where's my value? The gospel says you're someone who's made in the image of God. That's who you are. Identity is not something you have to look within yourself to find. Identity is not something that you receive from people around you. Your identity is made in the image of God that you are loved, that you are valued and nothing you ever do can take away from that. It can't be earned and it can't be lost. You are loved. The gospel also recognizes that we're messed up and it offers redemption. The gospel says, hey, like you and me and all of us, we are, we are affected and infected by sin and evil. We're affected by it. That is like out there in the world, the world is broken and that affects us and there's pain. People are broken and they infect, affect us and there's pain. But it's not just out there that if we're honest, it comes from in here sometimes that I contribute to the brokenness and the evil in the world, that sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, I hate that guy. Why do I do that? Why do I say that? Why do I act that way? Why do I think those things? The gospel comes along. Jesus' death on the cross pays for that to free us and to forgive us and say there is no more shame. There is no more guilt. You are not what you have done, nor are you what has been done to you. The gospel brings life. Jesus rises from the dead and says, if your faith is in me, death has no hold over me and it has no hold over you either. And so the most basic primal human fear that we have is like death, like that's at the end of the road for all of us. The gospel says you may die, but death will not be the end of your destination, that there is life and you don't need to fear death. The gospel gives a sense of belonging. Where can I belong? Where can I fit? Where can I be loved? The gospel says that you are, you are welcomed into this new family, the family of God. This thing called the church that spans, it is so ridiculously diverse. It spans different cultures, uh, different ethnicities. Uh, it's, it's geographic, it's throughout time and history, and there are all these different expressions of this thing called church and faith. And there's this beautiful mosaic of diversity, but the thing that holds us all together is this confession that Jesus is our king. The gospel brings meaning. They say your life doesn't just exist apart from something else. It says you are attached to a bigger story, the story of human history that's been unfolding, that's reached its climax in Jesus, and he's going to return, and you are attached to that. The gospel gives purpose. It says if your faith is in Jesus, you are empowered and you are equipped by his Holy Spirit to go out into the world and to do good works, to bring flourishing to the world around you, to proclaim his love and his goodness, to be a kingdom citizen uh, and just demonstrate that to the world. The gospel is good news. And Jesus sends those of us that are his followers on a mission to say, go tell people about that good news. Go make disciples. So here's where that mission comes from. Uh, It's towards the end of Jesus' time on earth. We call it the Great Commission. So after Jesus dies on, on the cross for our sins, he rises from the dead. There's sightings of the risen Jesus and rumors that he's alive starting to go around. and There's this buzz starting. And Jesus gathers his followers together to address them before he ascends into heaven. So Matthew, who was there, who was one of the disciples, records what happened. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. We read that the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them, to go, and so uh, this region of Galilee is where most of Jesus' ministry took place, and there's a mountain there, and he's like, hey guys, I want you to, I want you to meet me here. Um, they're like, okay, I guess. So they were usually confused by what he said, but eventually they got this message, uh, and it says that the 11 disciples are there. Uh, So this would be the guys in the Gospels that Jesus called, said, hey, come follow me. Um, There was 12, so we call them the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. At this point, Judas has betrayed Jesus, and he's out of the picture, so now there's only 11. And so you got that group, but this also would likely include a, uh, it's highly probable there was a larger group of disciples there. All throughout Jesus' ministry, uh, in his time on earth, there's there's like the 12, and then there's a larger group of disciples that would follow him around, and then there was kind of the crowds that would follow him as well. And so this group of disciples is most likely, at the the fewest, probably a few dozen, uh, at the most, maybe a few hundred, gathered on this mountain to, to meet with the risen Jesus. And they see him, he shows up, and when they see him, they worshiped him, but some doubted right? Some worshiped, some doubted. So some, like maybe they've already had an encounter with the risen Jesus or they've been been hearing about him and Jesus shows up and they're like, yes, he's here. This is incredible. I believe it. Woo, go Jesus, right? And that's some of you. Like that's just like your temperament, like right off the bat. You're like, yes. But others, and I would venture to guess this is more your temperament for some of you in this room as well. Some of them are like, I want to believe, but I still got some questions about this. Right? like These are people that had been following Jesus. These are people who were there with him through his ministry. And it's like, we love this guy and we were following this guy, but we saw him killed. And I know he's standing right there, but come on. Is he really alive? And so I still got some questions. I still have some things that I'm working through. I don't have this all figured out. And you know what? If that's you, that's okay. Doubt and questions and working through that process is part of the journey of faith. It's part of the journey of faith you're in good company. It's been the the, the story of followers of Jesus for 2,000 years of going, okay, he's alive, but I still got questions. Today I'm I'm really high on my faith and I believe it. Tomorrow I'm like, yeah, but now I have this question over here. And it's okay. And one of the encouraging things about this passage is he's going to send his disciples out on the mission. And when he does, he makes no distinction between those who worshipped and those who doubted. This is all of you. I'm sending you all on a mission. You can bring your doubts with you. You can bring your questions with you. You can bring your I'm not so sure about it yet with you. They saw him, some worshiped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. The first thing he says is he's about to commission them to to send them on mission, to send us on mission. He's like, here's here's what you gotta know. You gotta know that all authority has been given to me. All authority, and he kind of lists two places, heaven and earth, uh, throughout the biblical narrative, th- these ideas go together, heaven and earth, heaven and earth, the two go together. When you think heaven, um, our kind of pop culture brains have trained us to think that heaven is like up in the clouds, chubby little angels playing harps. Like that, That's not heaven. Uh, the way that the biblical authors talk about heaven, it, it's just the, God's space. It is like the spiritual realm. Um, it, it, it's the space, it's the, it's the reality that's beyond what we can see, but as people of faith, we were like, well, we know that there's something more. This is heaven, God's space. And Jesus says, listen, all authority there, I have all authority in that, in that domain as well, above all other spiritual beings, angels, whatever. It's like, no, I have all authority and I have all authority on earth, human space, the place that we inhabit. It's like, all authority is mine. I am the king of kings, the God of gods, the Lord of lords. I have the authority, Jesus is him, right? You cannot go to Jesus and be like, excuse me, sir, I would like to speak to your manager. And he's like, no, like, you, the, 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 like it stops here. I am the highest authority that you can, that you can go to. All authority is mine. And so it's, it's out of that, it's out of that sense of authority that he then says, therefore. So in light of my authority, I'm sending you on a mission. In light of who I am and the authority that I have and who you are, I'm sending you on a miss, mission. And that has two implications for us. The first is, is probably the, the more obvious one. where It's like, okay, Jesus has the authority. He's the king. I'm following him. And I'm saying, I'm following you and you're in charge. And he says, go. And so I say, yes, okay, I'll go, right? Because we're like, but did he though? You know, <laughs> did he say go? And he's like, all authority is mine. If you're my follower, I'm telling you to go make disciples. And so that, that, that's kind of the first part. That's more, the more obvious part. The second part of him having all the authority, and, and I'm, 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 I'm hoping that this is freeing for some of you, is that the fact that he has all authority means the people's lives being changed by the gospel is not ultimately up to you. You do not have the weight on your shoulders of thinking, I am responsible for people, to, whether or not they're gonna know Christ and follow him. Like I have to, like, it, it, like people's acceptance of the gospel is not on reliant upon your ability to pontificate and communicate really clearly. It's not based on your ability to, to convince them and compel them. He's, Jesus says, no, all authority is mine. I'm the one who's died for sins, not you. I rose from the dead and defeated death, not you. I send the Holy Spirit to transform people, not you. I am changing people, not you. I wanna use you and I wanna work through you, but it isn't on you. The authority is mine, so I'm telling you to go and and let that weight come off your shoulders. Go knowing like I'm just gonna be faithful. It's not my job to have to convince people. I'm gonna share the good news, I'm gonna share my story, I'm gonna share what God is doing and let him take care of the rest. All authority is mine. Therefore, go. Uh, and he says, Go and make disciples of all nations. Again, this idea of disciples is, is followers, not just go make converts, not just go make people who can like check a list and say, I, I believe this, 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 and this. He says, The goal is not to go out and be like, All right, you know, we got 37 salvations today. Well, what, define what that means. Well, they pray to the prayer. Okay, well, that's a good first step. But like, has their life been transformed? Are they following Jesus? Are they being shaped by him? Are they, are they, are they saying he is my king? He says, no, I want you to go and make disciples. Go make disciples. And then he kind of lists a little bit of, here's some of what that discipleship journey looks like. Like the early stages of what does, it go to, what does it look like to go out and declare the gospel and for people to accept that gospel and live into that. He says, one of the things that's included in that is, is I want you to go and baptize them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're about to celebrate baptism in just a few minutes, and we're going to go crazy, and we're going to clap, and we're going to cheer, because baptism is this picture of what God is doing in people's lives. It is this beautiful reminder, baptism is simply a public declaration of what God is doing in us. It, it, there's nothing like, about the waters that save us, it's about saying, no, I, I am following King Jesus, and I want my friends to know, and I want my family to know, and I want my community to, to know, like it's this, it's this symbol of like, I, like, I am I'm pledging like my allegiance to Jesus and I'm going after him. And there's this beautiful symbolism with it where just as, man, as Christ died for our sins, so in baptism, we declare that the old me has died. I'm not that person anymore. And yeah, we st- we're still gonna screw up and we're still, that old person's gonna rear his ugly head or her ugly head every now and then. But we're saying, look, I'm, 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 that person has died. And just as Christ was buried, we go under the water, this, this picture of being buried in water, as Christ rose from the dead to live this resurrection life, we come up out of the water to live in resurrection life and power and to say, I'm a new person. It's this, this beautiful moment where we go nuts and say, Jesus, what have you have done and what you are going to do in my life? I am all in. I'm all in. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And second part, he says, and teaching them. Teaching them. So there is there's, there's an aspect of faith that Christianity is not just about feelings and emotions. Feelings are great. Emotions are great. They're a gift from God, but they are not the, the determining factor of objective reality. If you build your life or build your faith on feelings, eventually it will come crumbling down. He's like, I need you to teach them. There are things about Jesus that are true. He's like, teach them what is true about me, what is true about humanity, what is true about sin, what is true about the solution. Like, he's like, there are, there are things that they need to know. Teach them these truths, but it's not just about head knowledge either, because I want you to teach them to obey. There are truths that you need to know and then you need to live it out because it's in the living it out that he transforms our lives, that things change in us. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And so, you know, Jesus sets the scene in the first century. He shows this beautiful example. He he teaches these things. He passes this on. He builds this into his disciples. Now he says, what I've given you, you give to the next generation. And then they give to the next and them to the next and them to the next and them to the next for 2,000 years. And here you and I are. We've received it and we pass it on. This is the process of making disciples, teaching them everything I've commanded you and surely, and here's how he ends it, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always. I'm with you, you're not alone. To the end of the age is, uh, it's this idea of the, the, the end of this current age of history that we're in. Uh, the end of the age would be you know, when Jesus returns and every bit of pain and evil and sin are wiped away and he establishes his kingdom and he rules forever and we live with him forever, uh, this physical new creation. He's like, that point is coming and until it does, I'm still going to be with you. And so as he's saying this to these first century disciples, he's been on earth for his you know, physical life, 33 years, roughly. And now he's about to leave. He's like, I've been here, but I'm leaving, and I'm going to come back. And they're like, when? He's like, I'm not telling you. And people have been trying to figure that out for a long time. He's like, when is not important? What you need to know is I'm leaving. I am coming back. And in the meantime, I'll be with you. In the meantime, I'm sending my Holy Spirit to empower you and to equip you and to convict you and to encourage you and to strengthen you. Like, I, I, you can't get away from me if you are my follower. I am with you, always. I love the bookends then of this mission that he sends us on, right? He sends us, hey, go make disciples. But, but he opens with, all the authority is mine, and he ends with, I'm going to be with you. Go make disciples. All the authority is my, listen, like I'm I'm telling you to do this, but you, like the weight is not on you. The pressure is not on you. And no matter where you go, I am with you. So what are you waiting for? Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Jesus sends us on this mission to go and to make disciples. This 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 is how the gospel spreads. This is how the good news goes out. This is how uh, this is how the church grows, and not just in a way of saying, "Like, well, look, our church has more numbers, but the, the church globally, the church that spans the centuries, this is how the family of God increases, and more and more people are welcomed into the family and are transformed by one disciple making another and another and another. It's not complicated. It's just uncomfortable. It's hard sometimes. But this is how it happens, by making disciples, you know, Uh, many of you know uh, and if you don't you're gonna find out that uh, we uh, came back about it's been about a month now that we had a group of high schoolers high school students uh, at a camp in um, Tennessee it was an incredible time man God did some amazing things and changed lives and it was great it was absolutely fantastic and um the last day of the camp right uh I, I was talking with one of the students um actually, it was Braden here. Hi, Braden. Everybody say hi, Braden. Not to call you out or anything. Uh, and, we're, and we're there. <laughs> Too late. Um, we were talking on the last day, the topic of the seating chart got brought up. So throughout the week, they would, they would move each church kind of around to different places in the auditorium. So you got to be in different places. And on the last night, we were up in the balcony, a little bit bummed about that. We're like, oh, because, I mean, the students want, like, love to be able to get up, up front to be able to worship and just kind of be in that environment. And um, like, oh, man, we're in the balcony. I was hoping we could be down low. And and uh, be able to get up front, and the, the the group that was up front and kind of center was this really large group, right? It was probably there was probably a church that had 100, 150, maybe more. I didn't count, but it was a lot of students there. It's like, man, it seems like they've been on the like on the floor level a lot this week, and they get to be there tonight. And I'm like, honestly, like as someone who's kind of done, like, the logistics of event planning and stuff before. I'm like, that's probably just a logistical thing. They're like, that's the biggest group, and it's the last night. It's going to be a lot easier to get them out off the floor than getting them down out of the balcony. And so we want to get everybody out of here. We want to get traffic moving. I was like, honestly, well, that's just probably why they've been on the floor. And, and Braden looks at me and says, well, you know what? We need to be the big group then so we can, you know, can be on the floor. And I'm like, I just looked at him and said, well, why not? Why not? Because this is how discipleship works. This is how the gospel spreads. I said, there's, there's well, there's 21 of us that went on this trip. We're going to round it for easy numbers. There's 20 of us this year. If every single one of us goes home and makes one disciple in the next year, and some of you are overachievers, I know it, right? You're going to make three, four, five, but if every one of us goes and makes a disciple this year, there'll be 40. And he's got two years left. So on your last year, there's going to be 80, and we'll be that big group. And it's not about taking a huge group to an event. It's about what Jesus is doing in people's lives. And that's how the gospel spreads, and the same is true for us here as a a church as well. Because one of the things that got repeated throughout the week by our students, like God is, there's something that is happening here. It's incredible. It's amazing. We want back home to feel like this. We want our church to experience this. We want all of our friends to know about this. We want our community to be transformed by this. And again, I said, well, why not? All it takes is each one of us making a disciple, and the gospel spreads, and lives are transformed. You know, we got a, a full room today usually on a sunday between kids and kids and adults we're running somewhere around 75 although if everybody if everybody shows up on the, on the same week like everyone schedules on the same week it's a normal part of our church we're kind of in trouble okay because we don't have enough it's like probably about 100 i'm like hey if all of us make a disciple this year it's 200 and then by the time you know braden graduates goes to the last camp and is a senior leaving our student ministry we took 80 kids to a camp and have 400 people in our church and again it's not about numbers it's about people's lives being transformed it's about the brokenness in our communities and in our families. It's about the darkness fleeing and an eternal difference being made. This is how the gospel goes forward. It is good news. It is such good news. And the beautiful thing is you are sent on that mission. But the gospel isn't just a mission that you're on. Yes, it is that, and that's what we're talking about. But what I want you to hear today is that the gospel is good news for you. For every single one of you in this room, for me, the gospel is good news No matter what you're going through, the gospel doesn't change. It's good news for you. It's good news for me. It's good news for your family. It's good news for your friends. It's good news for your neighbors and for your coworkers. It's good news that's changing lives. And so as we kind of wrap up this portion of our service, here's what we're going to do. We're going to move into our time of communion because here's what communion does for us each week in a tangible way. It reminds us of the good news of Jesus. We take a piece of bread that represents his body. God become man, his body beaten and broken for us, hung on a cross. We take a cup of juice that represents his blood that he freely poured out. Nobody forced him to do this. This was an act of love, and he died for us. We take those two little symbols, those elements, and we remind ourselves of this good news. We remind ourselves of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus we remind ourselves that King Jesus has come, that his kingdom is here, that we are invited in, and so is everyone else. And so I'm going to, here's, here's what going to have. I'm going to pray for us, and then as you feel led, you can come up and, and take communion. We practice open communion here at Hope Community, meaning you, you don't have to be like an official member or anything at our church. You, everyone is welcome to come to the Lord's table. Um, and so after I pray, you are free to come up as you feel led. You have space here. But, uh, and there's also, there's no like official, you have to hold it and get some sort of sing- signal to take it. When you are ready, you may take it. Uh, so I'm gonna pray for us and we'll move into that time. Lord, thank you so much for your good news. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you that you do transform lives. That even though we are broken and we live in a broken world, it doesn't have to be that way you are changing us you are changing the world around us that someday you will come to set all things right and we praise you for that and so god i praise as we come to the table this morning that you would just remind us of that truth that you would transform us that you would shape us that we would receive this good news and be empowered to go and share it with others we pray this in jesus name